0: Of Ash and Flow. This is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career.
1: All right. So here we are, Ash. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome back to this new episode of the Unbillable Hours Podcasts, brought think... to you on a Friday between two, a weekend and a holiday for, for lots of people, right? Both in the US and Europe.
0: Yeah, and actually, one of the things I, I want to start with is thank all the people who joined us live for our, you know, open session, almost like yeah. a webinar. And <clears throat> we hope to see more of you because we had quite an interesting discussion but not exactly the topics that we in initiated like we talked about things that we knew the market was interested in but we got questions on certain details yeah, yeah. and and so we thought let's come
1: together this friday where everybody's taking a day off <laughs> yeah. and record record this to to follow up on a couple of the questions we got during during the live session because I agree I also want to say thank you to everybody who attended it was that was a nice nice occasion great discussion also and I think maybe people have listened to it as as a podcast recording but if you did you you might have realized we got a couple of questions around picking marketing channels and which channels should we be on and where should we market I think the, the the reason behind those questions always being maybe people feel that what they're currently doing in marketing isn't as effective, doesn't give them as much of a reach or, I don't know, as, as optimal as conversions as they'd like to have. And then the question quickly turns to what else should we do? Which other channels should we pick? Which we want to step in and say, I think, Ash, that that's actually not the best way to approach it. I mean, it's an understandable question and, and it's fair enough to ask, but the... the, the differentiated answer is, yes, there is benefits to being on many channels and we live in a multi-channel, multi-touch blah world, but the reality yeah. of it is, unless you are one of the big firms or a marketing team with plenty of resources, probably you will not be able to execute across all the channels or many channels or whatever. So so what should you do
0: instead, right? Let, yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> you know what? Let, let's bring this to something that we've been advising people in general. Like if you are a professional services firm, we've always talked about like streamlining your offerings so that you basically don't sell everything in the world because you can't go ahead and solve for every all of that. You need to focus on yeah. and like build your offerings based upon like what your strengths are, what is required in the market, and go by the whole you know supply and demand thing. In the same way you may or may not have the resources to hit every channel. Even if you do have the resources to hit every channel, every channel is not worth it. Like I know this is like calling something out, but generally if you're in professional services, Pinterest is not where your audience lies. Though they could make it beneficial to professional services through listing kind of things, but generally, professional services and Pinterest is not a thing. So the same way you need to focus on, uh, you know, the right yeah. channel. Yeah. But I mean, let's let's so
1: let's walk through the the answers we have prepared, because I think we, we said it in a live uh, that the, the first trick is just change your mindset a little bit and don't think so much about what's the right channel. What are the right tactics? But take like ten steps back and ask who do we want to speak to? and What do we want to say in the first place? Right. That's that's where it starts. Yeah. And, and you and I agreed upon not going down that road, because that's probably an episode in and by itself, but, but just very briefly, right? If you can be very clear about who this is for, and this goes to your point about focusing on the offerings, right? Who, who needs to hear about this? And you can then have some hypothesis around what what are their pain points? You can then go into some clear answers, like how, how would you as the expert or you as the consulting firm help to remedy those pain points? And that you know that sort of that points to the content you'll be probably writing about and as unless that is not very clear and very well defined and it doesn't have to be perfect but it has to have it has to be a very pointed hypothesis right you can say we think this is for x people who have y pain points and they will like z solutions you need right and then we can validate as we go into the channel and post the content but that, that's that's where it starts
0: i think and then as you yeah. had something
1: so you noted something here about the types of content you want.
0: Yeah, to but even for the types of content, I think I would like to say this is a space where your USP, your unique selling proposition rests, because as you are building out your content, people need to know why you, right? And so when you're looking at the you know types of content, you go, think about the audience, right? You have your C-suite and you have the minus ones minus twos etc the subject matter experts as you would say Clo. and the thing is they're both being talked to but the kind of messaging that hits both of them is different the c-suite messaging should be more high level top level kind of messaging that gives them like the big picture the horizon event that kind of thing because that's the thing that they'd be looking for the others need to see much more of the detail even if the c-suite sees that you and I are fully aware that most likely they will just hand this over to their people, their staff, yeah. and ask them to like highlight what's the key points and see if this is useful for them or not, because yeah. they will make the decision <clears throat> and they will make an informed decision, but these are the people who do that. So you can, instead of just going the roundabout way, you can literally go in the way of like hitting your subject matter experts, your topical experts, your... Um, the people who ladder into these decision makers because yeah they would love to find these kinds of kind of information because hey at the end of the day they need to impress their bosses they need to be knowledgeable and this kind of information targeting them makes them look good and makes them more likely to build that relationship yeah. with you. So and definitely th- focus on that.
1: And I think like if you pitch like business case strategic type content to the C suite, right? Um, educate them about how you, I don't know, yeah. save the business money, make the business more money. There's not a, you know, there's not a, it's not as if there's too many options for what consulting does at the end of the day, but, but what they will need is they will need the confidence that you are not just talking about these things and promise them, but you, that you're able to deliver. Right. And the way you do that is Ash, what you just said is you, you also have in the weeds content, right? Technical stuff, which maybe the C-suite decision maker doesn't even understand, right? There's not many CEOs being super deep in, I don't know, data science, right? But um, if you share technical stuff which which their technical people can understand so that they can vet you, right? Once the CMO, CEO, to your point, view, turns around and, and asks, hey, this consulting firm, are they legit? You know, do, do they, Is there a high likelihood of them actually delivering what they promise here? Then these people will be able to support the decision-making process in your favor by saying, yeah, I've read their stuff on data science. Seems very good. But so you know, So you need these two things. And to to again make that point, I think that's really where it has to start. Don't ask what's the right channel; ask what, who do we speak to, and what's the right message, right? And and I think we should we should maybe in the in the future do a very tactical episode on how to define those things, Ash. Right? But um,
0: yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. do want to just add the fact that on speaking about technicality, it also depends upon the audience. Clearly, in some audience cases, like say <clears throat> the chemicals industry, you need to be really technical. In some other audiences. For instance, the communications industry, you need to be a little less because the people who are implementing it, like the hands on guys, they're way, way further than these levels of decision makers. So you have to know your audience fully within your industry, your sector, your function before you go for it.
1: Yeah. Um, which I mean that goes back to the other point we always make is that how you have to involve your own subject matter experts into the content creation right but we said we didn't want to do too much yeah uh, yeah yeah we don't do so, so I'm forcing myself yet. to move on so so once we have the hypothesis done right who we speak to what do we say what's the message essentially then you can have some hypothesis around distribution and um you you said Pinterest probably not the place right and you don't you don't even need like super hard data on is just have some educated guesses on where your audience hangs out to be very honest in the b2b space probably linkedin is just your your safest bet um maybe some other social channels could be good and don't even just stick with social right make a like a full sweep like what newspapers do they read maybe what tv shows do they enjoy whatever yeah. you want to you want to just have a complete picture there the important part though is and we had this come up in the live if the objection then becomes, well, but the CEOs I'm targeting, they are not on LinkedIn. Um, that's again when we get back to your point about the, the other audiences, the people who letter up into the CEO, CMO, whatever, uh, the influencers. They they will be. It's just it's just reality. And I mean, everybody can 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 think about their own lives. How often has it happened to you that you found something in some social channel where you hang out that you thought was so compelling that you shared it with someone else? Uh, who's not even in that channel. Like I do get Instagram video clips from people through WhatsApp. I'm not on Instagram or I think I am technically, but I'm not, you know, anyways. Right. And I, and I sometimes share stuff for like, I send you things Ash. I see on TikTok, yeah. right? Which, so th- these things are very real and it's worth to not forget them. So I think the point when I say yeah. distribution is with your content and audience definitions go as narrow as you can for the distribution then broaden it out a little and you made the point during the live session ash but by, by, don't just think about the primary audience but also think about the people who influence them as you yeah.
0: distribute right I, I would actually like to like simplify this to just say do a word of mouth analysis by by what i mean that is pick up your key level one level two level three influences see where they get their information from and then build your distribution tactic based off of that it might not be linkedin could be facebook it might not be facebook facebook could be instagram it could be maybe just like you know the whatsapp crm kind of you know stuff It, it could be any of those so make sure that you are poised to have conversations in those distribution spaces And it could be digital, could be face-to-face, could be anything, but this can only be done by using a word-of-mouth analysis. And that requires you to have a a bit of qualifying conversations. An easy way to do this is when you send out your qualitative or quantitative surveys, always find out where are the spaces that your audience engages. You ask a lot of questions about, like, I, I, I get a lot of surveys from lots of people. You know about like c-suite stuff and like big decision making things. one of the key things i always find is that they never ask me where have i found this information they always ask me are you aware of this do you know of this all that kind of stuff but if i'm a decision maker they need or influence the decision maker they need to ask me where did i find this because yeah. that is going to help like you know focus and- your situation. And then, yes, and then once you
1: have these sources, obviously you want to pick a channel that also, where they spend time. And and we will get to the point, our next point is just pick a single channel to start. So let's be clear. Don't pick a bazillion channels, right? Here are some influencers, here are some influencers, here's where the actual primary audience goes to. No, no, pick a channel where all of these groups and intents overlap. So pick LinkedIn, I'm no, just, just kidding. But you get the point, right? There are there are certain places where everybody goes. If If we talk newspapers, the wall street journal and the financial times are still pretty big in business world right so mm-hmm. that that would be the equivalent of that so there's a high likelihood of you hitting 80 percent of the primary audience secondary audience whatever on, on those channels just one one thing to your to this influencing thing i wanted to to drop because because sometimes it's not just who do these the decision makers get the information from directly or who's is, who is influencing them because the influence is part of the decisioning process but sometimes there can be uh allies or let's call them i don't know interest groups within a client's organization that are not even in the decision-making process and the, the best example i have of this as i recently had a conversation with someone told me the story how they started to distribute messaging around cyber risk cybersecurity consulting and like the strategy mm-hmm. stuff in software developer communities and to be clear but this particular service offering they were selling, they typically speak to the chief security officer or compliance people, so forth. They don't talk to developers, it's not their target audience. And developers are often not in the decision making process when that particular firm gets hired to do consulting work. However, they figured that lots of software developers are fed up with the security by design, whatever that's called, policies inside their company. So the developers are an interest group, they want better. Security processes, so that they can go through the development faster and get less harassment for security concerns later in the development process. Right. So that that was an interesting insight they had, and so they sort of built support, awareness. You know, people championing them in the inside the prospects organizations with developers who, other than that, do not have much to do with the process and the way their story was told to me. That's quite a successful strategy. I'm not saying that's you know on that makes sense for everybody, but but it was interesting to hear that is sometimes uh, friends can live in remote places,
0: so to speak, right? In that particular case, what I would also suggest is do something called GitHub adjacency marketing. So people always search for GitHub codes, and they don't necessarily have to be the developers. could be the bosses who are suddenly trying to f- figure out what the hell these yeah. guys have been doing. So, always focus on like GitHub adjacency spaces, which means in the searches that they do for specific things, in yeah. like ways that people enter a GitHub repository, and all those kinds of things. Those are the areas where you can clearly like position messaging. Yeah. So again, yeah,
1: no, but it's good stuff because I mean, the the main point you bring for a second point. So first figure out what you have to say then think about where to distribute it. And in thinking about that, be a bit broader, right? And maybe a bit creative and think about who else might be having conversations similar to those you want to have Mm -hmm. with the decision makers and try to get those people as well. Next step though, right? That being said, I know already pointed to it. Start with just one channel and and this is me presuming you you have a small marketing team or a or a sized firm if you don't have all the resources of the world don't do everything at once just pick one pick the one where you think the propensity of success is is actually flow
0: even even if you have a large marketing team get one you know get one person to focus on a channel at a yeah, time yeah. and it's the same thing it's just like Don't get one person to like focus on five channels because yes, they may get the umbrella messaging, but what happens is their efforts get distributed. Keep keep people temporarily on a channel thing and then build it up. I'm not saying make someone as a LinkedIn marketer only. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying while they're running like a campaign, make sure that the focus for an individual is just this as you test it out before you you know push things out. And this for larger firms.
1: And adding to that, since you mentioned larger teams. Uh, and you, you spoke before and in some other episode about just killing or stopping things, that there might be merit in just not doing channels anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So, presuming you have lots of them, which, which aren't working. Like a, a typical example for clients I work with, they always... And because we have Xing or Crossing or whatever the platform's called, it's basically a German LinkedIn competitor. Yeah, I know what Xing is. Yeah. It's, it's pretty defunct nowadays. Lots of firms I work with still maintain a presence there and they have it on LinkedIn and they're sort of cross-posting, but then it's the question, do we have to translate our English stuff for Xing into German, yada, yada. So there's lots of work that goes into the Xing channel. And then if you look at it, the Xing channel doesn't do much. So uh, in these cases, I'm not not saying flat out always kill it, but there might be cases where you have sort of withering Instagram channel or whatever, you know, consider dropping it and, and focus because, and this is the next or... This is, goes into this single channel tip. Try to figure out in that single channel you focus on whether you can get it to really work. And it, by it, we mean get the content, the messaging, to resonate and and yeah. prove that out. And this is where it gets a bit mushy because you'll have to look for qualitative signals, right? With let's stick with the LinkedIn example. Like, are the posts seen by people with the right in the right companies with the right job titles? do we get positive signals a like or two three likes a share whatever right um like take these early signals to determine that what you're doing is actually kind of working and built upon that and then also obviously you should see over longer time periods lots of graphs trending upwards and to the right right impressions go up likes shares uh follows in the company page and whatnot right but really focus to get the one channel to work and i would include into that maybe even bring paid into the mix so, and experiment yeah, with it, yeah. right? Because what what paid distribution of content you'd otherwise play just organically allows you to do is you can see things like click-through rates and so forth. And you can Google the benchmarks for that. Once you're at or above benchmark, that's also a strong signal of what you're putting out there is sort of working for you. And I would never add even half another channel before I have that stuff sorted for the
0: primary channel I'm focusing on. So I I, I do, this is slightly tactical, but I think this is relevant. So when you're focusing on local versus global marketing and you're looking at like a local versus global channel, you have to understand what you're using these channels specifically for. For instance, LinkedIn is a global channel. Your content is not gonna be viewed locally so translating from, you know, translating from English to German or whatever doesn't really make sense. It needs to be much more broader focus because people who are going to engage with your content will be outside of your market unless you do paid. When you do paid, you can like narrow your demographics and target. That's different. Most social media channels, the most social media platforms are focused on a global distribution. Not a local first thing. TikTok is a place, for instance, that's much more like local to global kind of explosion. There, if you're focusing on local specific marketing, yeah. that makes sense. So as you are building your channel strategies look at what the platform is good for don't just dump things so that you understand where you build your organic reach where you build your paid reach how do you target yeah. them specifically uh i know this is a little tangential but i needed to like bring this tactical point because i know i've heard lots of people saying hey i put this whole thing out on you know linkedin and i saw my post getting like you know visits from countries where i have no presence or footprint yeah that's because that's the whole purpose of the channel it's going to push you in that kind of way it's not it's not entirely your fault you can of course use hashtags and everything to be much more targeted but even so the nature of the platform will always guide it first more than these Qualifiers that focus on an area. But yeah. Although I'll, I'll also I'll
1: add to that that um, I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure how specifically with LinkedIn it works because I've I've tested this this particular question: Do we do English or German? I've tested that with three clients and myself, and the, it's just three, right? But the the data so far is inconclusive, and that is in part seems to be caused by the fact that the the way your network is set up, right? Who already follows the company page? Is the German yeah. accounts is that where these people come from, like that seems to influence it. And so there's lots of variables going into it, but I mean, getting into, so I'm, I'm repeating the points, right? We said, yeah. think about what, to whom to speak and what to say first, then have some hypothesis where to distribute. Right. And then we say, try and, you know, get at it and try to really learn and understand the channel and the messaging and that for until it works. Right. And which brings us to the fourth point, um, keep executing right until you have something that is mm-hmm. working. Um, and only then I would say broaden the approach and maybe try your hand at the next channel, right? If, you, if you've mastered one, which mastery is a difficult concept here, but let's say if you've mastered one, really clearly it's working most of the time. It never works all of the time. Everybody posts stuff that doesn't work. But if the overall thing is you have that done, that's when you maybe consider adding another channel. Um, and I, I don't know how long it takes, but um, I've rarely ever seen someone do like less than a half year of LinkedIn and get anywhere, especially if you are in very crowded spaces like management consulting. If you're a NASA astronaut and you can post pictures from space, probably your LinkedIn channel will explode in like two weeks or something, right? But not everybody gets to be in that luxury position. Uh, people like us seem, tend to have slightly more boring jobs, right? So. Give give this time, Master, and only then think about the other channel. That was that was the fourth point we had here on the list.
0: Yeah. And I see that you're talking about like guest articles and speaking events and PR, but you know, you're asking like what about those? And I think you have an answer for that, Flo.
1: Yeah, we got that question as well, right? So so but how shouldn't I be pushing for guest articles? Should I be doing PR and so forth? Again, same idea. Presuming you don't have the resources to do metric tons of stuff. I don't, Um, but just wait uh, because if you play the game we just described above, right? figure Mm -hmm. out whom to talk to, what to say, and then execute in one channel until you really have stories, messages, content that really works, Mm -hmm. Um, don't even bother with the other stuff because that will come to you is the experience. Like, as you've been on other podcasts, I've been on other podcasts, we didn't pitch for those. We don't have a media agency running them. We just got invited because of what we're doing here, right? And I think the same is true. Like, do 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 something interesting on LinkedIn for a well-defined target audience for a year, and someone might come your way and ask you to write a guest article. Or someone might, you know, this, these things just happen. And even if not, the the, the the fourth point we just mentioned still applies. Execute until you have the channel mastered and then maybe add a next one, which could be PR, right? You could then go out and pitch yourself to trade press magazines or something. But now you have a year's worth of, I keep coming back to LinkedIn, but it. you have a year's worth of LinkedIn content under your belt. So you'll have a much easier time figuring out what to pitch for an article or or what to build a media campaign around. Because you've done that and you've seen the data and the feedback from, from the target audience, right? So for this other stuff, which is not social media, I think similar rules apply just save that until you have one channel working and then expand into those why not and and honestly my guess would be or my bet would be that if you play the play the game really well you will get invitations before you think you've mastered the channel and can move on to do other things that's just my experience yeah I think. exactly yeah yeah well that's that's all i had for today it's so a nice nice follow-up for the live session i hope i think um and um yeah yeah i think
0: we have no i, I think uh, we gotta let our listeners know we have another guest coming next week so uh it's a surprise for now but stay tuned
1: yes uh i can say that much uh we'll we'll dive into business development and sales again which which we don't do that often and maybe not often enough but if you're interested in how to run a sales pipeline for a consulting firm like like the big guys do it um that episode next week might be great for you anyways i'm I'm gonna stop the recording here ash i would say have a nice friday uh and a regular weekend short weekend after doing this right everybody else got to have a long one and then i'll speak to you very soon
0: (laughs) thanks for listening to Unbillable hours if you want more tune in next week you know where to find us.